you know what's not been around for a decade? Waveform Sleep. In fact, they're brand new. Go check them out. Waveformsleep.com is the place to go see a mattress with speakers in it. What? Yeah, you bet. You go try that out, and you're never going to go back. You lay on the bed. First of all, if you don't even have the speakers on, the bed feels incredible. But then you can turn on the speakers, and you have resonant sound waves going right through that speaker. You just lay on it, and it like massages your body. It reacts to what's going on on your TV screen if you just hook it up via Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. For more information, go to waveformsleep.com. Sign up for that email list. Check out the video and get looking for this mattress. Oh, yeah. And now, it's time to talk about the 2010s and how it all went for BYU football on this episode of CougarCast, the 2010s in review. My name is Keith Shirts, and this is CougarCast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of CougarCast, a special look back on the 2010 decade for BYU football and how it all went down. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy it. You can find me on Twitter at CougarCast, and also if you want to react to the show, you can email me, CougarCast at gmail.com and make sure to go check out vanquishthefoe.com what a place contributor at vanquish the foe i've had a podcast on there we have been doing cougar cast now i believe this is year 12 wow star wars the rise of skywalker comes out to movie theaters in about a month at least when we recorded this so, for any Star Wars fan, it will be an exciting experience to check out Episode Nine for the first time. There is confidence among fans about it. The, you know, the structure is in place for this film to be outstanding. There's evidence that real cinema magic may take place. Should J.J. Abrams nail it? Yet there will be tension watching the final installment of the saga around Luke Skywalker. Fans will be thinking, please don't screw up this thing that I love. Not in the final chapter. It's okay, even if the movie's a little flawed, that's fine. Just please, please don't let this movie suck. BYU football in the 2010s has been more like the latter version of that scenario, unfortunately. This has been the decade of disappointment for BYU football, and at first... That may seem like an odd and even spoiled, rotten thing to say. After all, BYU have only had one losing season in the 2010s. The Cougars have played in a bowl game in 9 out of 10 seasons. So, how's that a decade of disappointment? And, there's only three games remaining in this decade as I record this. And BYU has a 76-51 and 51 record which is a 59.8% win percentage. So it could be a lot worse, and it is for a lot of other programs. 
I hear that, and I appreciate that. But weren't we promised so much more? The promise of earth-shattering change for the better arose with the dawn of football independence early in this decade. And while this has meant really good things for accountants, for fans it's been confusing. Even one of the two leaders of the BYU football program, head coach Bronco Mendenhall, declared that football independence was, quote, not sustainable. And that the decision of going independent was the turning point in having the second best coach in program history look elsewhere in his career. So, has independence really been a good thing for the program? I mean, for fans. I mean, for players. I mean, for coaches. Hmm. Bronco didn't think so. During this last decade, BYU had the all-time career running back in Jamal Williams. He set the record for career numbers at running back for the Cougars. Also in this last decade, we had the all-time career-wide receiver in Cody Hoffman, who set all the records for receiving at BYU. Both of them came through the BYU program this decade. And unfortunately for them, they both played in offenses that were ranked 71st and 60th nationally during their most productive seasons. The Cougars had not one, but two top-ranked, number one high school quarterbacks in America commit to the team. The biggest fish in the recruiting pond at the most important position decided that Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah was where they would like to be doing their job as a quarterback. They had the leverage to go wherever they want. They picked BYU. And neither Jake Heaps or Tanner Mangum were going to be concurrent as students. They wouldn't overlap. Weren't we supposed to have eight great years of elite quarterbacking at BYU? Yeah, that didn't really happen either. And the decade culminates without a single season finished in the top 25. Something that hasn't happened since the 1960s. And remember, it wasn't until the mid-80s that the polls expanded from top 20 to top 25. So it was even more difficult. (laughs) There's five extra spots to get in nowadays. It's been since the 1960s since the Cougars win an entire decade with not without having a season finish in the top 25. There's only been one 3,000-yard passer during the 2010s. That was freshman season, 2015, Tanner Mangum. And that, too, hasn't happened since the 1960s. You know, back when nobody passed the football. Back at a time where... There were structural reasons, experience reasons, and, and, and even penalty 
reasons, rules reasons, why passing wasn't as attractive as it is today. It's the easiest time in the history of college football to be a big-time passer and gain a lot of yards passing through the air. And the school that revolutionized passing can't seem to do it anymore, at least in a grand way. Only one since the 1960s. Only one 3,000-yard passer in this last decade. BYU lost to Utah State four times in this last decade. And even worse, the Cougars lost every single game against the University of Utah this decade. That's never happened before. Never happened before. They have never lost every single game in a single decade since the rivalry began in 1922. The key word here, lost. Cougars were able to pull out a couple ties in those early, very barren years. They didn't lose every single time they stepped on the field with Utah. They tied at least once in those early decades. Not in the 2010s. The Cougars went out and found a way to lose. And frankly, if you're as frustrated with how the rivalry has gone as I am, and I certainly you are, you would take a tie at this point, wouldn't you? <laughs> if, if ties were possible in college football, wouldn't you take one, right? Uh, I, I'm almost to that point. And, and lastly, not almost. I would definitely do it to make sure we didn't lose. <laughs> and, and lastly, as I look back on the decade of BYU football, I sincerely struggle to identify what the apex moment for the program was. Because anytime something good or even great happened, it was quickly erased. I mean, search through. Remember the good times. And then remember how quickly it went away. Let's review a little bit about each season. These are going to be quick synopsis of the decade so that you can remember kind of what's on the plate here of what happened during the 2010s. 2010 was the rise of Jake Heaps, the quarterback of the future. Heaps had a great season. He set a lot of freshman passing records and had a great performance uh, playing in the bowl game, in the New Mexico Bowl. The Cougars were in a spot to have Jake Heaps lead them to the promised land. He talked up a huge game. <laughs> uh, and the Cougar fans started to believe as he set records and did things that no other freshman quarterback had done. He was breaking Ty Detmer's records. He was the future. Well, 2011's season rolls around. And if you remember, midway through that season, Jake Heaps was benched in favor of Riley Nelson and Heaps would end up transferring to Kansas following the season. And despite losing that talented, hopeful prospect just a mere months after that New Mex the New Mexico Bowl game and a whole summer of every BYU fan putting all their hopes about the grand future of BYU football as being an independent All that excitement kind of went up in smoke 
as Jake Heaps transfers off to Kansas. Rather be at Kansas than BYU. That's because Riley Nelson was playing better and was a better quarterback than Jake Heaps. Um, all right, so BYU, it's their first season as an independent. Now, in terms of record, at least, this was BYU's best season of the decade, that 2011 season. BYU went 10-3. and And if you look at every other team that's ever won 10 games in a season at BYU, this was probably and almost certainly the worst 10-win football team in program history. But 10 wins is still 10 wins. Not an easy thing to do. Absolutely appreciate the work that was done with them. The the standout games from the season, however, when you take a look at, at the results, the ones that you'll remember the most are going to be the 54-10 to 10 loss to Utah at home. And then you're going to take a look at uh, the neutral site game that was played at Dallas Cowboys Stadium against TCU. The Cougars lost 38-28. This is the Riley Nelson high-fives the ref after the uh, touchdown signal in, in garbage time. <laughs> touchdown game. So that's, uh, that's 2011. 10-3, uh, you know, good season. Uh, drama at the quarterback position. Uh, the 2012 season was BYU's best defense of the decade. And you know what? It might be argued that this was the best half team in America. The The defense was really good. The offense was not very good. Uh, and a point, this point of, of kind of them being a half team was exclamated following Kyle Van Noy's amazing Poinsettia Bowl performance against San Diego State, where we witnessed an outside linebacker single-handedly win a football game. Unlike anything I've ever seen. It was an incredible performance by Kyle Van Noy, but it kind of made sense that year. If we were ever going to beat San Diego State in that bowl game, it was going to be because the defense scored points because the offense was woof. Ugh. 2013 was Taysom Hill's only healthy season. It was a season marked with a lot of crazy weather. If you remember, BYU lost the season opener to Virginia on the road after a massive downpour. And then next week, BYU won big against Texas, but it was only after uh, the only hurricane in the history of the state of Utah passed through just before kickoff. Yeah, that, was a, that was a downpour. Uh, the euphoria of beating the Longhorns was wiped away pretty quickly because they lost to Utah the following week because it's what we do these days. And... Uh, the Cougars were off to a one and two start. They ended up finished the season eight and five uh, with a loss to Washington uh, in the bowl game that was played at the San Francisco Giants Stadium. Uh, twenty fourteen was the season that could have been. Uh, the Cougars got off to an incredible four and zero start. They were ranked in the top twenty five, and there was real buzz about this BYU football team. It was highlighted. Those four wins were highlighted by Taysom's Longhorn Leap. In Game 5, Taysom Hill was injured against Utah State, which is a theme, and uh, it left Christian Stewart in charge as a starter. Stewart comes in, he fin finishes the season, he goes 4-4 uh, four and four as a starter, uh, and he has some fun performances along the way, including getting the best of a eventual number one draft pick, Jared Goff, on his field as uh, Christian Stewart outgunslinged Jared Goff. 
that was interesting. And also, uh, the season that could have been finishes in frustration as uh, Stewart throws an interception against Memphis in the Miami Beach Bowl. And Memphis and BYU fight their way off the field. And the Cougars finish with an 8-5 and five record. The 2015 season is the rise of Tanner Mangum. If you remember, the Mangum Miracles kicked this season off. The Hail Mary to Mitch Matthews at Nebraska. And then another Hail Mary against Boise State, caught by Jurgens to start the season. James the Mormon made an entire rap about the Mangum, <laughs> the Mangum Miracles. It's kind of uh, interesting and weird to listen to these days, but you should check it out. The Cougars then, after the Mangum Miracles, go and have a really close one-point loss to Josh Rosen at UCLA, and then they have the depressing 31 to nothing stomping at the hands of Michigan at the Big House. And... The narrative with the team is this is Tanner Mangum's team now. It's the only 3,000-yard passing season. Mangum had a game against East Carolina where he was banged up and injured, and he came in and gutted it out injured and led the team down the field to a game-winning drive. He was the reason we won that night. It was probably Mangum's best performance. The excitement around Tanner Mangum was absolutely, completely as high as it could be. This was Tanner Mangum's team now. Except that in 2016, it wasn't Mangum's team. Heck, it wasn't even Broncos' team anymore. Mendenhall took a big payday at Virginia. Again, he left because money, but also because he felt uncomfortable and felt like he couldn't go any further with Cougars being independent. Kalani Sataki is hired and brings along Elisa Tuiaki as a defensive coordinator, and more infamously, brings in Ty Detmer, the legend, as the offensive coordinator. The 2016 season is often known as the Cardiac Coog season. At least that's how I remember it. And really, it should be remembered as Jamal Williams' senior year opus. We'll talk more about that. BYU went 9-4. and four. And it was a season that could have been 4-8. and eight. Here's all the crazy stuff that happened that year. Jake Olroyd beats Arizona at the buzzer with a field goal. Taysom fails to get into the end zone at the goal line against Utah, the Utes. Taysom throws not one, but two interceptions on game, potential game-winning drives against West Virginia and D.C. Rhett Allman makes a, a game-winner against Toledo after Jamal breaks the single-game rushing record. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt and Logan Woodside were terrifying for the Toledo Rockets. The Cougars snuck by a six and seven, a team, a Mississippi State team that would finish six and seven, and they do that in overtime, at home, and the Cougar fans rush the field. Dramatic final play to get by the Bulldogs. BYU would then become the first team in college football history to have a plus-five turnover margin and two defensive touchdowns and still lose a game as they drop the game to Boise State, 28-27, a game that the Broncos were desperate to give away and the Cougars had no interest in taking it. 
Again, Taysom is injured against Utah State, leaving Tanner Mangum to get the start. And he gets an ugly win against Josh Allen's Wyoming Cowboys in the Las Vegas Bowl. This is probably Kalani Satake's best season. It's his first season. The 2017 season is certainly the worst season of the entire decade. It's an absolute debacle. I don't know which was worse. Not being able to cross the 50-yard line against LSU is humiliating. But it was LSU, right? Eh. It's defensible. I guess, it, you know what? It is defensible because I don't think about that nearly as much as I think about when we lost at home to UMass. Eesh. Ty Detmer gets fired at the end of this year. 2018 has a really gigantic high. BYU beats Wisconsin on the road in Camp Randall. Of course, the context of this was absolutely uh, because, huge because the season before, Wisconsin came to Lavelle's house and absolutely dominated the Cougars. So for the Cougars to go win, uh, thanks to a Rafael Gaglianoni missed field goal at the buzzer, was an incredible moment for the Cougars this season. A month later, though, the Y would be suffering losses to Utah State and Northern Illinois. Tanner Mangum's inauspicious career concludes. Freshman Zach Wilson enters and becomes the next big thing for BYU football, following a perfect 18-for-18 performance at the Idaho Potato Bowl. 2019 sees BYU defeat Tennessee on a miraculous play to force overtime. And then Tyson Williams dragged a bunch of Tennessee volunteers into the end zone. The next week, the Cougars were able to beat USC at home. The fans stormed the field after the overtime victory. And as exciting and as good as that all felt, a month later, BYU suffered back-to-back losses to Toledo and USF. BYU would then right the ship with good wins over Boise State and Utah State. And as we sit today, are headed for another eight or nine win season with another offseason full of more and more hopes on the potential of Zach Wilson. So now that we've been over the last 10 seasons, my question to you was what was the signature BYU moment? Was it Kyle Van Noy's 2012 Poinsettia Bowl performance? Was it Taysom's Longhorn Leap? Was it the Mangum Miracle Squared? Or was it the Gag Leononi in Camp Randall? It's hard to say. I'm kind of fond of the KVN thing, but I don't know. Two Hail Marys in two weeks, that will never be uh, copied. Taysom's athletic display jumping over Texas, of course, is legendary. That probably comes in third for me. The Gaglianoni probably comes in fourth. But it's still a nice moment. And here's the thing. We covered there, there were some great players Lots of them that weren't even named. Ziggy Ansah was drafted in the top 10. 
Daniel Sorensen was a great player for BYU during these years. Matt Bushman has been a very productive player for BYU. Right? Fred Warner. A lot of guys have Diane Guanwoloku. There's been some great players who've come through the system. Kyrus Tonga, Travis Tuiloma, right? Great players. And as I just covered, some great moments. But you know what's missing? A great team. Because there's not a single one to be found from this last decade. And you know what? Yeah, that kind of sums up the 2010s for BYU football.